Hi there. We're promised to come back to you with a very interesting edition of Know Your Banker series. And today we have with us Mr. Itira Davis, the MD and CEO of Ujjivan Small Finance Bank. Davis is no outsider to Ujjivan. He's seen through the transition of the microfinance business into a small finance bank. And when the time came for him to step up and help bank clear up some of the mess, that was in 2022, he rose to the occasion. With us, he's here to talk about all that has gone into the entire cleanup, what efforts went into taking the bank to the shape that it is in currently, and what holds future. Listen, you've been a member of uh, Udjivan MFI board. You've seen the transition from an MFI, I would say, to a SFB, and now you are heading the SFB in the position of MDCEO. How do you describe your journey through all this thing? My connect with uh, Uji when uh, everything started in 2015, mm. when I joined them to help with the transition from microfinance institution to a bank. At that time, they hadn't yet uh, got the banking license, but they had applied for it. Mm. So, uh, so when I came on board, I realized that uh, you know that transition was going to be interesting because everybody's thinking was different in terms of uh, being a microfinance and NBFC. Mm. Going into a bank, a lot of regulatory framework and a lot of other things were coming in. And most important was the liability portfolio that was going to be allowed if you got a banking license. And, uh, you know, that that transition required both understanding mm. what was going on, plus also getting people ready. And uh, one of the things that Ujivan decided that uh, at that point in time, because different models were being considered by the applicants and things like that. So they said, if we get the license, then all our branches would become bank branches mm. and all our staff would mm. be bank staff. Mm. Completely different to somebody who said, we'll continue this way and we'll have another set up here. Mm. And so that required a full, at that time it was about 7,500, 8,000 staff who needed to be taken from this stage as an NBFC MFI into a SFB you know, banking situation. Mm. So that, that was my mandate to see how it worked. And also systems, the you know IT systems which were required to put people in place. That was a significant change. We had a, a backing system which was more for the uh, for the microfinance. You know, and, and that was the, uh, what was there. They had to get craft work. So they had, they had that system. So then you had to get into a, a liability system which finally they went for Finical. But all of those transition, you know, yeah. it, it is a it is a sort of huge move that required a lot of effort to be put in, yeah. understanding the organization culture, because yeah. what we didn't want to change was the culture of the organization, the focus, yeah. the focus of business being uh, the uh, underserved and the unserved, yeah. and that core of the mass market was always going to be the focus of Ujjivan. And the banking license was something that would be added to give a full set of banking service to the customers. Mm. So the philosophy, you know, the uh, that part and the culture of the organization had to remain intact. So that was one of the things that uh, you know I had to keep in mind. It was not like it, it's it's much easier if you get a new banking license. You're not doing anything. You start a fresh. Sure. Then you can get the prescription and then you know do it. But here you have something that you need to preserve and then build on top of that. Mm. Just when you were doing or getting the transition part right, 
there was this whole uh, mess that erupted in October, uh, rather in August 2021, uh, post which is when we saw you step into the bank in the role of our MD CEO. So from there to now, would you think that everything has been put to rest today? The bank has transitioned 100% and is ready for next phase of growth. Yeah, if I can just go back one step, you know, that um, that the transition to, uh, from MFI to bank took place in uh, 70. 70. So we had two, three years of uh, good Rob run. Mm. And then COVID hit. Mm. So I think uh, even we managed to take care of demonetization because mm. that was a few months before we became mm. bank. So that was done well mm. and we moved forward. Mm. But uh, the impact of COVID was one of the things which was uh, quite devastating from the point of view and challenging. So I think uh, different parts of the banking industry had different impact. In the case of Ujjivan, because we were exposed more in the microfinance area, that had a bigger impact. Mm. And, uh, you know, following all the governance and other things which are required, we put in place whatever provisioning and other things were needed. Mm. Now, the situation is that, you know, COVID, I keep telling people, is an act of God. You can't control it. You can try to manage the situation. You hunker down and you hope that it will pass. So eventually it did pass. I think that is where the uh, turnaround started. Because yeah. then we could better manage the situation. Uh, we have people, obviously, uh, you know, being an essential service, we were open all through COVID, all our branches, unless it was a contained area, containment zone where we had to close. But all our branches, most of our staff came forward. And, and during that period, the cultural aspect was where we took care uh, through CSR and whatever of many of our customers and also the welfare of our staff. You know, these two things were very important. But coming out of COVID was the experience that, uh, you know, we are now talking about, we are now reading about, <laughs> which we are telling people about <laughs> because it's a complete turnaround <laughs> from a loss of about 400 crores. Mm. to a profit of 1,100 crores, all in a matter of one year. Money, yeah. mm. So that cannot have been done. If and very that... acceptable NPA numbers as well. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, what is interesting is that, uh, you know, we have to make the provisions, but all of the, a lot of the provisions are being written back because mm. customers are, are very keen, you know, as soon as uh, they are able to do so, to come forward and make the repayments because they don't want to lose their position that they have built up in credit history and with the rating agencies. Because that to them is a very important part. And I think this is something which has become a very crucial part of the microfinance industry. This rating and people not wanting to lose that rating, going back to the money lender or whatever. So that has become an important part and that has played a role in the recovery of the of that. So people are voluntary. And of course, you know, when I said uh, the problem was the economy and everything else that COVID brought about. Uh, so we're just lucky that uh, India is one of the countries which has come out of it beautifully and the government has been able to push in the right direction. And the economy has stimulus. If that didn't happen, then our challenges would have continued. <laughs> because that happened, we were able to you know, proceed with the turnaround. So we put in place a lot of new systems, especially the collection, everything else that we didn't have because you know, the earlier pre-COVID, Microbanking NPAs were below 1%. Sure. So you didn't need a big uh, collection infrastructure. When it went to 10%, then you had a problem. <laughs> and you are not experienced to do it. So what do you do? So then all of a sudden, we had to put mm. that in place. Now, 
uh, I'm happy that we have been successful with it and the teams have been doing well. So we have been getting a lot of queries from others in the industry as to how you did it. Mm, I'm sure. And we are sharing what we can with it. Nice. Because at the end of the day, this is something we share at par with each other. A couple of things that you learned that you should continue to be doing and a few things you decided that, no, this is not good practice. Let's abandon this. Let's let's not try to do this any longer. For the recovery? Not for the recovery, from the entire, uh, the way a bank should be run, From more from that perspective and more importantly during your transformation and your transition phases. Yeah, I think two of the most important things that uh, we will continue to do uh, wherever, where, you know, whatever happens is governance and uh, the culture. Mm-hmm. These two are the very core of any institution. Would you even, and I must tell you one of the things which uh, when, when we were getting a backing license, mm-hmm. well, pre getting after the application, 74 people applied. So I used to have, being ahead of the transition, I used to have visitors from, you know, everybody who wanted to be ready for the SFB to come. So they wanted to either to sell their core banking or whatever systems <laughs> and, and consultancies and things like that. So I used to see them, you know, every now and then. So I asked them, why are you calling on us that often? So they said, in our list, Ujjivan will get a license. And I said, why? So you have one of the best governance. And and they had seen that as Ujjivan, you know, continued as an NBFC. So, you know, you make your shortlist because you can't go and meet 74 people and, and try to pitch to 74 people. So you make your own shortlist. And that's how I found that you know, Ujjivan was on most people's shortlist because we used to have these people coming and calling on us, trying to tell us about their products. And one of the once or twice I asked the question to them, I said, why are you calling on us? He said, no, you'll definitely get a license. Now, governance for us is that, you know, we, I'll put it in a different way also. We believe that there are four equal, you know, stakeholders in our, in our institution. Mm-hmm. And going alphabetically, the first is the customer. Mm-hmm. Second is the employee. Third is the regulator, and fourth is the shareholder, and all of them have to be taken care of. And for us, uh, you know, obviously our regulator is RBI, so we very closely follow all the RBI guidelines. Even if they are tough, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we follow. We try to talk to them, get them to change their mind. But you know, when they, as long as it's out there, we follow it. And also the interests of the customers, whatever it is. So we were one of the first institutions, I think, among the uh, microfinance where we had an independent service quality. And their job was mainly to address all the, of course, that is now among bags, ombudsman and all that. Yeah. But even before it gets to ombudsman, we don't want things to get to ombudsman stage. We would like it to be solved. So we have the service quality independent team, which addresses any issues. So that is where the customer, you know, is able to address and take care of it independently. In the case of the employees, you know, we introduced ESOPs from the very beginning. Uh, from, the, from the early stages when we are an MFI. And every employee was eligible to get irrespective of... It's not just a technical fintech no, word any longer. No, no. And, and, and it's not for, uh, you know, a, a select group of people. Right. Every employee, okay. based on performance, was eligible for it. Interesting. So that was from the very early stages. And, and that is why, if you look at our shareholding structure, many of the employees are shareholders as well. So that was, that was a unique uh, type of thing. Then when it came to the shareholders, we have had, we had two IPOs. One is at the holding company. Because uh, at that time, the number of foreign shareholders were much higher than what was required because as a promoter, 
we had to have uh, an Indian company, which means less than 50% foreign share. So for that, we had to have an IPO. And then when the bank was listed as part of the requirements for the uh, uh, bank list, we had to have an IPO. And then more recently, even uh, because we were looking at the reverse merger, we had to have the QIP, which was to bring down the promoter shareholding below 75 so that, uh, in the circumstances which we found ourselves last year, was challenging. Uh, so, you know, when we went to investors, and at the same time, many of our competitors were still trying to do their IPO. I was actually coming to this point, you know, a lot of SMBs are struggling to go to market still. And during this period, you did a very successful 240, 250 odd crores of QIP. Uh, what was the positives that investors saw in you and is there something that you got as feedback from investors in terms of you know we'd like you to do more of a b c things yeah i think uh, that's a good point because uh, you know i mean we, we also saw the difficulty in the market and you yourself weren't merging from an internal crisis at the bank at right. the yeah so to that extent more than others we were on the back foot yeah and, and, and uh, you know, when we went to the market, we were quite open as to what the problem was okay. and, and what was happening to address that problem and how we were turning around. So, because, you know, the turnaround started sometime in September of 21, when we put in place, that was even before I joined, uh, they put in place a 100-day plan followed by a second 100-day plan, which is when I joined yeah. in January of 2022. So that's all the second. So these two were very successful. And this is where I say that the depth of the organization, the grounding of the organization is very important. To be able to execute that, it had to be done at ground level. You can't make a turnaround of this scale you know, sitting in the head of it. So at the ground level, people understood what was required. And uh, Isn't also by having an internal person hype? Yeah, I mean, the help is required at all levels. You cannot have any obstacle anywhere. You right. need to have everybody working in tandem. Mm. And uh, that message has to get across very clearly. Because people knew you from a very long time. Yeah, no, they, they knew me through the transition. Mm. And then I was, uh, for almost On three years, I was, uh, I know I was the MD of the holding company. Yes, yes. And so although I didn't have day-to-day -day interaction, they would see me there. And when right. it was, when... There are times when the holding company used to have discussion with the bank. Right. So I was there. But prior to that, since I was there in the transition, they knew me. So I was I was part there and not there at the same time. <laughs> so when I came on board uh, as the MD, I was able to connect. And I think that helped a great deal. And, and uh, to me, the message was very simple. We had to grow the book. Uh, and we needed a 360-degree growth. It's not just to grow and uh, get out of one thing. We had to cover each of the ratios that the RBI set for us to make sure that all of these did well, which meant that uh, we had to also garner deposits because we cannot grow without our deposit base. Mm -hmm. And again, these deposits had to come more from retail rather than bulk deposits. Bulk. And that's why if you see our balance sheet as of uh, March 31st, 23, mm -hmm. our retail base has grown immensely compared to the previous year. And... Overall deposit base has also grown to about 25,000 crores, mm -hmm. which I think uh, is one of the highest growth in the industry. In a period when interest rates had already started to rise, 
So we took some bold decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think most importantly, the market believed what we were saying. And the investors. It's not that we were making tall claims. We said, you know, we had difficulties, we had challenges. But the turnaround was already taking place. So quarter after quarter, they started seeing the turnaround. The two quarters of uh, 21-22 and into 23-22. So when we came to them, we, we thought we would be able to do something towards the end of uh, financial aid in March 22. Mm. But uh, the, it was not right. At that. right. Uh, mm. So we waited a little longer. Mm. And then the full year results came with, with the first the full quarter of profits, followed by a second quarter of profits. And the profits were moving in the right direction. So I think the market, and, and also the economy had settled. You know, without the economy settling, you can't do anything. You have to make sure that that is the basis, that is the right environment. So once they saw that, and the you know, uh, economy is settling, we have also settled down, both in terms of business, as well as whatever was being mentioned in the press about our board and things like that. We had a very, st- we had, our board started stabilizing, our management at the top level started stabilizing all from about December 21, January 22. So, you know, first, once they saw, I think that that was stable for six months, then they got confidence that, you know, everything was now moving in the right direction. And that's how we, I mean, it's not a very big uh, QI fee, but it was needed. 470 crews were needed to be able to bring the uh, the seven, or get to the 75 percent. Not from a capital perspective, more from a shareholding perspective. We also needed because you know by that time because of the provisioning, uh, our CRA dropped below 20 percent. Although mm. above the 15, which mm-hmm. is needed, but our internal board board uh, line was 20 percent. Now to understand why that is, because feeling that we have got. Uh, 70, 70, whatever percentage at the time when the rule was put in place was micro-banking, quote-unquote, seen as higher risk. So you provide for the higher risk through a better capitalization. And that is what we have told RBI also, that if you, this business is perceived as being higher risk or unsecured, we have protected that by having a higher capital. And when we fell to 20%, we said it's time to push that up. So what we did is, because... You know, people were still talking about the QIP will work now or not. The first thing we did was we went to the market with a subnet, tier two capital. You did a tier two. And that was well received. Because I think uh, people who saw the... Tier two is generally a good testing ground. Yeah, so we did that. I think that gave the confidence onto the the market and we were ready for the QIP. That investors were ready to see the turnaround. So I think that... That step, although if you look back in where we have reached today, you might find that the sub debt was a little expensive. But, you know, you do things at certain times and you can't choose what to do. So, so okay, he paid the coupon. So, I think that laid the foundation for the next step. And I think the QIP came. I think it was, you know, it was done very quickly. Uh, The uh, people who did the placement, Dam Capital and IIFL, uh, saw the opportunity in the market and we decided to go with it. I think, uh, I mean, what I would tell people who want to do it, there's no perfect time. You have to do it when you need to do it. Uh, you may not get the best price, you may end this thing, but, you know, take it when you have it. Yeah. And then uh, you things will improve. I'm sure. So yeah. that, that's the only way to do it because, uh, you know, we needed to get the reverse merger in progressing. 
and this was a step towards that. Well, that was the first part of this two-part series. Do keep listening. We'll be back in a fortnight for the second half.